amazing passage, um, John 15. I'm, I'm going to preach today um, on verses 12 to 17. We did last week verses 1 to 11, but the, the context matters. This, this passage is, is powerful, this metaphor of vine and branches. Um, you know, we, we say we're a community of disciples following the way of Jesus for the sake of the world, but you could just as easily say that we're a community of disciples abiding in the vine so that we might bear fruit. Um, and and this, this command, love each other as I have loved you, flows out of abiding in the vine. Um, so you can see this is, as part two, if you like, of, um, of an abiding in the vine sermon. Um, we're going to... We're going to break to talk through the sermon. There'll be three times we break to chat to a neighbour. We're in a good mood today, I feel, so that's, that's good. Um, but, but just get ready to, to debrief with your neighbour um, on some of this stuff. It's going to be a really practical talk because love is, um, is a simple idea and yet really hard to live out. Um, and so it's going to be pretty practical. Um, Guy Sebastian, Australian icon. Australian Idol, if you like. Um, Guy Sebastian in 2009 had a song with an American singer named Jordan Sparks. And the, the song went, I'm still learning the art of love. I'm still trying to not mess up. So whenever I stumble, let me know. You've got to spell it out. You've got to spell it out. It's a good song, Jordan Sparks. She was, she was good for a moment there. Guy Sebastian, he's always good. But the art of love, it's, it's an interesting um, turn of phrase and there's probably like 10,000 better songs out there on Spotify that have the word love in it. Like it's, it's the most common word in a song and yet I like the idea that, that love is an art, that it's practical, that it needs practice and requires learning and failing and trying again. For this week, um, for me, it's been, a, it's been a hard week in some ways. I've had... Um, some difficult and sort of raw conversations with friends and, and realisations in friendships. Um, there's been some tricky situations in, in our family life as well. My grandma's quite sick at the moment. Um, and I've just been thinking about how like we're all works in progress and I'm trying to learn how to love and my love is, is not perfect. And I want to be loved, and this is probably the one I feel more often, not, not that my love's a work in progress, but the people loving me are works in progress. And I'd love to be loved in a, a better way. But we're all works in progress, and yet Jesus meets us where we're at and wants us to learn the art of love through, through him. My favourite commentator on, on John, Frederick Dale Bruner, he says um, about these verses, let us pray for help in learning the difficult art of keeping Jesus' most prized horizontal command. What he means by this is, um, this is Jesus' most prized horizontal command, going this way, going between humans and humans. His most prized vertical command is, is the upward call, um, our, our abiding in the vine, our, our relationship with God, and then out of that is our relationship with, with each other. And these two connect um, very closely. You know, the idea of love is not out of vogue these days. No one's like, love is not cool, we're not about love anymore. Everyone's sort of always into the idea of love, which is good because Jesus' teachings actually have a lot more resonance with the world than we sometimes think. Like, I think it's, it's easy for us to think most people wouldn't like 
what Jesus has to say. But a lot, and that's true for, for a lot of things. But there's also a lot there that actually resonates with our friends and the world. That is actually attractive. Like this is an attractive idea. Love each other. But it's it's very difficult too to love like Jesus. So our love for others flows out of Jesus. It's it's out of his resource of love for us that we can love one another. So what does that look like in the passage? So the first of 11 verses, Jesus' invitation uh, is to follow him in many ways. It's to, to love him and to abide in him because he loves you. We said last week that to abide means to, to make your home. To make your home where you're most loved. Come move in with Jesus because that's where you're most loved. Remain in his love. And then he says, keep my commands, and my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So he's saying, look at my love, enjoy my love, be nourished by my love, live in my love, and then turn to your brother and sister and love like Jesus. This is not like a bonus thing, right? This isn't like, abide in the vine, have a relationship with the Father, and then if you're really good at that, then try loving people. Sometimes we think it's like part two, or like the bonus question. Like if you get really good at loving Jesus, then you can love other people. This is his command. It's like an essential ingredient. You can't be a branch without being connected, but you're not much of a branch if you're not bearing fruit. Right? It's two sides of the same coin. Love God, love neighbour. Love for Jesus and love for brother and sister. It's, um, if you're ordering a cappuccino, you need espresso and you need milk, right? It's not a cappuccino without espresso. It's not cappuccino without milk. You need espresso and milk. And espresso is great and milk is great. But you need both for a cappuccino. And you need both for a Christian. Love for God and love for neighbour. A good branch is connected to the vine and bears good fruit. And there's no excuses that are good for us to say, one is better than the other. Church traditions often go wrong when we, we go, you know, there is a, there's totally a truth that love for another flows out of the resources of love for God. That there's a primacy, that the espresso does go in first and is what makes a cappuccino a coffee. But, but you can't have one without the other. And if we say, I'm not loving people because all that matters is, is God and good theology or whatever, then you'll be like a Pharisee. And if you say, I'm only going to love people out of my own strength, you'll be a branch that gets cut cut off and, and dies. So the fruit of abiding in the vine is this. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus' love, Jesus' style love is sacrificial love. It's laying down your life. And we live in a culture which says life is about personal happiness. Happiness is is maximising your pleasure and minimising your pain. It's for yourself. And everyone agrees that love is a good idea, but what if love is not about personal fulfilment? or is less about personal fulfilment and more about laying down your life. That's what Jesus is saying love is. What if friendship is less about finding similar people to us who help us have more fun 
and is about helping the people right next to us. And yet, by abiding in his love, by bearing the fruit of Jesus' love, he says your joy will be complete. That you'll have great joy that there actually is fulfilment in this pattern. Also notice that Jesus says, love each other. Lay down your life for friends. So, so what he's saying is that sacrificial Jesus love starts by loving the people next to you. Loving other Christians. But the people next to you now are not necessarily the people next to you tomorrow. So I think this means loving other Christians, but also loving your neighbours, your family, your friends, the people right next to you. Like the church's love should not be insular, but it does begin with loving each other. Church is like the the training field, the the practice ground. It's like how you, you taste the food with your family before you start serving it to the guests. Like you don't just go, I'm going to try out a new meal for the guests. You cook the meals that your family goes, yeah, that's a good one. Let's serve it to the guests. That's sort of how our love for one another, but then the world is, is meant to operate. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. This is significant because he's, he's saying, you're not servants, you're friends. I'm like upgrading you. He's not just telling us what to do. And then we go and do it like a servant. He's inviting us behind the curtain, behind the scenes. He shows us and explains the how and the why. His reasoning is not a blind command. We get invited behind the scenes. We're invited into business with Jesus. Invited to be friends of Jesus and to love like Jesus. But that's no reason for pride, he says. We didn't choose him, he chose us. It's his grace, his unmerited favour, his undeserved favour. That's why we're friends of him. So, so go and bear fruit that will last. Like if I choose a cherry tomato plant at Bunnings, if I go into Bunnings and I'm like, I want a cherry tomato plant and I pick this cherry tomato plant, that cherry tomato plant's job is not to say I'm better than the other cherry tomato plants. If that cherry tomato plant... Goes, comes back to my house, picks up my phone, tries to call Altona Bunnings, get put through to the, the vegetation section and brag to the other cherry tomatoes, I'll be like, you're not doing your job, cherry tomato. Your job is to bear me fruit. Because, you know, tomatoes are fruit. We all learned that one in, in you know, primary school. That little stitch up, avocados too. But... What makes the cherry tomato plant special is not that I cho- is not like because it's better. It's that I chose it and it bears fruit in my garden. The plant has the joy of bearing tomatoes and should get on with it. We have the joy. We are Jesus plants. Those of us who follow Him and and we are to bear Jesus fruit. We live in His love and so we are to show Jesus love. He says, verse seventeen. This is my command. Love each other. So how do we love each other? How do we practice, how do we learn the art of love? 
It starts with recognizing that, that real love, that true love, is, is from Jesus and is for others. That you can't look like Jesus without Jesus. You can't love like Jesus without Jesus. That you must be nourished and planted in Jesus' love. That we love because he first loved. That we abide and then bear fruit. A strawberry plant bears strawberries. A cherry tomato plant bears cherry tomatoes. A Jesus person produces Jesus love. You cannot have Jesus love without being a Jesus person. So true love, real love is from Jesus and is for others. Jesus love means to lay down your life. That your personal pleasure... Your personal gain, that is not the goal of friendship or of love. Right? Love is not so that we can find someone or we can have friends that, that make us feel fulfilled or special or fun. He says it's all for your joy. He says a Jesus kind of love will lead to joy. But it's by losing your life that you find it. That's that great call to discipleship, isn't it? Lose your life and you'll find it. The greatest joy and satisfaction and delight and happiness actually comes through sacrificial love for others. Jesus' love is about giving, not getting. About laying down your life. Jesus' love comes from him and is for others. Jesus' love begins with abiding, begins from a whole healthy self and begins by loving the person next to you. So sort of touching on this, begins with abiding. It's out of him, it's out of his resources. We love one another because he loved us. It's from his spirit, his grace and his gospel. If we want to practice Jesus' kind of love, it must begin with abiding. Interestingly though, it must begin from a whole healthy self. Not to say that we're always healthy, not to say that we're always whole. But you can't love well if you're not healthy. If you've got no life to give away, you can't give much. And we we need to say this because sometimes this this verse or this idea of laying down your life can be used inappropriately and can be used to sort of excuse um, people being abused or being trodden on or being um, demeaned that you just got to lay down your life, like be a rag doll. Jesus wants you to have a a healthy identity, a whole and healed self. You know, this doesn't mean that life is like that cafe in Yarraville, heal thyself. We're healed from him. We abide in him, but we have to be a a healthy plant if we're going to bear good fruit. And it begins by loving the person next to you. There's a terrible history of people being decent at loving people at an arm's length from them, but horrible at loving people close to them. You know, whether it's the, the stories in Christian history of Christians not being able to love each other, whether it's the stories of people who are, are great at work or great to their friends, but then not so great at home. We've got to, our, our closest neighbour is the people next to us in our homes or in our seats at church. If we can't love those people, we can't love the world. So Jesus' love comes from him, is for others, begins with abiding, begins from a whole healthy self, 
and begins by loving the person next to you. Why don't you stop and chat to the person next to you um, and just debrief how you feel about that. I'll give you a minute or so. Go. Uh, any of these a challenge for you maybe or any of these come naturally to you? Are you good at one, struggle with another? All right, let's bring it back. Real love is from Jesus, is for others, begins with abiding from a, a healthy plant and begins by loving the people next to us. How can we practice the art of love then in 2019 in Melbourne, in June, in the cold? I want to suggest that we need to choose love over comparison Choose love over competition and choose love over control. Choose love over comparison. When we look at others to compare ourselves to them, we actually can't love them. Because we're either, what we're doing is we're either pushing them down in our minds to make ourselves feel better and bigger, or we're snatching at their ankles, like in that story in Genesis, trying to catch them trying to pull ourselves up. We compare because we want to feel better. You know, we, we might ask, is my marriage going better than theirs? Or is my faith going better than theirs? Maybe, maybe I'm okay because at least I'm better than them. Is my morality better? Is my discipline better? Is my job better? Do I have more friends? Do I have more fun? Do I get more approval? Do I get more attention from the opposite sex? See, this is why we don't have to 
If you don't want to, you're free to, but you don't have to share your marks with everyone. You know that, that time when everyone's like, what did you get, what did you get? You don't have to because life isn't about comparison. And I want to even suggest you, sh- you should not, if you do well, don't pull the old, I hardly studied, but I did great. <laughs> you know, don't pull that one. That's saying, that's saying, you know, I did well and I didn't really need to work hard because I'm so great. It's comparison. This is why we need to really carefully steward how we use social media. Because social media just invites comparison, right? No one posts on social media like, having a sandwich, eighth day in a row where I had a sandwich for lunch, the ham is maybe off. <laughs> like, we don't, like we post, you know, having brunch, right? Or having dragon hot pot, you know, got the colours right. We, we post often the, the good stuff and it just invites comparison. And then we look at it and go, oh, if I was having that much fun or if I was at that event or if I could do this or that. We've got to steward social media well. It can be used for good, of course. It's not, it's not the devil, but we've got to steward it well. Now, I want to speak this one, choose love over comparison, particularly to the women, because this can be a, a really destructive issue for, for women and um, and we just pray for this lady out here. Jesus, would you be her peace somehow and heal? But we, we live in this society where particularly for females, for guys as well, there's just this comparison and this... Um, it, can get really, it can get really intense. Like We've seen friendships lost over this stuff. I heard about one study which um, was drawing on some generalizations, but it was, it was somewhat helpful. It said if you want to basically, it was trying to say that aggression isn't necessarily a male thing. It's just that um, traditionally, not all the time, but aggression um, between the sexes, sexes is maybe like handled differently. And men might be more like physically competitive, but women might be more socially competitive. And again, it's a generalization. I don't think this is like true of everyone. You know, I'm not particularly strong, so I'm not very physically competitive myself. Um, you know, I go to those bucks, those bucks parties when we wrestle each other, and I'm like, I'm out. Um, but the study said if you want to destroy a teenage guy, and this was done in America, you could put a gun in his pocket. If you want to destroy a teenage girl, put a phone with social media in her pocket. Because it's actually like social comparison which can tear us down. And so being planted in Jesus' love, knowing that we're loved, knowing that we're loved by someone who won't reject us, being at home in his love means we don't have to compare. We don't have to prove ourselves. We don't need to be better than anyone else. We can love out of that position then, right? We can be genuinely happy for people when they get to go on a holiday or they get a boyfriend. We can, be, we can genuinely help people when they're struggling. We don't see someone else's struggle and that makes us feel better. We see someone else's struggle and say, I want to help you. I don't feel superior because of what you're going through. I feel love. 
So Jesus in 2019, I believe, invites us to choose love over comparison. He also invites us to choose love over competition. You know, competition is, is a close friend of comparison. I went for a job interview once um, with one of those like study skills sort of companies um, and they said, our business is a meritocracy. I was like, do you know what that is? I'm like, no. Nah. I Googled it, um, asked my girlfriend Jess at the time. She helped me. Um, but it turns out a meritocracy is like a ladder and the best go up and the worst go down. And if you, if you do well, you perform well, you get lots of shifts. You don't perform well, you get out of here. And our whole economy and our whole education system and our whole society is a meritocracy. It's a performance ladder, which is okay to some degree, but it's not good for our souls because it means we compete with one another if we want to flourish. It means we need this hustle mentality if we want to do well. If we want to win, we've got to be machines. But Jesus says, like we saw last week, you're not an output-making machine, you're a fruit-bearing branch. It means we have to be loners, right? Because we have to push other people down and we can't be connected. We isolate ourselves by pushing others down, by stepping on them. But Jesus says, you're not your own, you're not alone, come home. Welcome home. Make your home in me. And so if life is about more than winning, which I think Jesus is saying, if it's about loving, if it's about laying down your life, then we can know that, that we don't have to always win. Right? If you lay down your life, you're not going to win much except for dead fish. And that's a game for preps. But if you lay down your life, if you abide in the vine, you're going to bear fruit that will last, he says. Your joy will be complete. You'll find joy not in success, not in winning, not being on the run, but being home in him. So I think Jesus invites us in 2019 to choose love over competition. Of course, go into the world and do wonderful things. Go into the world and bear much fruit. Go into the world and do great things, but don't go into the world to kill it or crush it or smash it. Go into the world to bear much fruit for the good of his kingdom, his glory, for the good of others. Choose love over competition. And finally, choose love over control. When we control people, we're often trying to change them to suit ourselves or suit our needs so that we can get from them what we want. But Jesus' love is more about giving than getting. Sometimes we we do have to help people change for the better to be more like Jesus. But that should never be controlling them to be more like how we want them. That should never be changing people for our own pleasure or gain. Again, joy is not found in, in someone doing what you want or being who you want. It's found in Jesus. And so laying down your life for someone is like the least controlling thing you can do. And yet laying down your life for someone is often the most transformative thing you can do for someone. Like Mother Teresa, she was serving in Calcutta not because she wanted to get something from them. It was because of love. Mandela, Martin Luther King, all the sort of heroes we look up to in this area, the same. 
And this is important why we need to abide in Jesus' love if we're going to bear much fruit. Because because believe it or not, we can often do good things. We can serve people, but with a controlling mentality because we want them to respond in a certain way. We want them to, to respond to our love and service. And if they don't respond, we get upset or we get dismissive or we withdraw. But that is not love, that's control. So choose love over comparison, competition and control. Again, why don't you turn to your neighbour and discuss which one challenges you or excites you to, to step into. All right. I'm going to finish with three tips. I think just, these are just three things that, as I was praying through this, asking God how, how over you know the years He's invited me to to love others and and what laying down a life looks like, or some things that are helpful. To love in secret, love on their terms and love by listening. When people say love is not a feeling, it's an action. We get that, right? Because it's, it's more than just emotions. But I do think it starts behind the scenes, with the heart. Maybe I'd prefer to say that love is both a decision and a disposition. And I think sometimes we can be okay at faking it. But that God wants us to develop a heart for the people we're called to. A heart for the people we're to serve and love, not just to do it. This means praying for people without them knowing. It's good to tell people you're praying for them, to encourage them. But maybe for every time you say you're praying for them, and you do, pray for them ten times in secret. 
This also means like when you're on your own, when you're, not your, when you're on your own, know that you're not your own. That you can love others with how you behave when no one else is around. Right? This one's like, like porn's a big one here. You can love, like if it's guys say, you can love your future wives or your wives. You can love your mums, your sisters in Christ. You can love them when you're on your own by choosing to have an accountability partner or avoid pornography. There's all these private parts of love which shape our heart and shape our love and shape our actions. And I believe God wants us to develop a heart of love and habits of love and and lifestyle of love and prayer in private so that you can love others when you're face to face with them. If someone's frustrating you, pray for them. Don't judge, pray. Love in secret and the way you'll be able to love, your initiative to love, your sort of reflex to love will be so much greater. Love on their terms. So often I want to love people the way I want to love them. Like for me, I'm, I'm into deep conversation. And so I want to I have a deep conversation and love people with, with time and conversation. But other people aren't that into that, I found out. I'm like, what? Other people like activities. Other people like gifts. Other people like you giving them a hand. And to love people on their terms is, is just a gift. It's a way that you can actually say, I value you and who you are and I'm going to come to you. I'm going to meet you where you're at. This is that sort of love languages stuff. Learning to receive, learning to, to understand how others receive love and loving them like that. Loving people in a way that's beneficial to them. I think just bringing it really, like, really to the ground, this means for us at Embrace that some people might not go out to dinner as much as you'd think. Or some people might not be very social in a big setting, but they'd love a phone call. Or they'd love you to just see what they've been up to or, or maybe meet up for a lunch or something. Or maybe they'd love a hand. Like, like church space can often be very social, but some people aren't social, but they'd love to be loved with a, being lent a helping hand. You know, a, a lot of people here have financial situations or family situations that we don't understand the extent of. And so we can be creative. We can be considerate. We can let ourselves be inconvenienced so that we can love people in ways that, that benefit them and serve them. And also this, this hits home with like evangelism. Like as Christians, we know that people have a spiritual need, that they need Christ. But a lot of people also have felt needs and we can meet them too and love them in the way they need to be loved so that we can love them in the way they need to be loved, if that makes sense. But we, we can love them in the way they would like to be loved, like, 
food, money, help, so that Jesus' love might meet them, the love they need most of all. And love by listening. You know, one of the best ways we can love other people is just by listening. By not believing we've got the, the answer or we've got the help. Like this is, We've got to resist pride here. You know, we're about to talk about mentoring. We've got to resist, like, it's, it's good to be an older person and to help a younger person, but we can love people without saying, I've got something you don't have, I'm going to give it to you. We can just say, I love you. Here's where I'm at, here's where you're at. Come, imitate me like I imitate Christ. You know, Jesus chose you, you didn't do anything to earn it. So enjoy his grace and love others. Love people not like a project but like a person. Love like you're not an expert but you're a friend. I think one way as a church we could grow at this, and this one's for the guys. We've had the one for the girls. For the guys, I think we get better at listening to our, our sisters in Christ. That Sometimes we have the, think, feel like we've got the the answers or the opinions or our topics or interests are of sort of greatest value or importance. But let's listen to our sisters. They've got great stuff to say. Let's be careful not to be proud. Let's be listeners. Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. It's a difficult art. It's a difficult art to learn, but we can learn to love like Jesus. So let us pray, let us practice, let us fail, let us get back up, let us apologize, repent and keep on abiding and trying out of a place of rest in him. You know, Jesus has so much grace for you, Embrace. He has so much grace for you and, and like that song, whenever I stumble, you can get back up again. You can stay connected to the vine You can keep growing. And as you keep growing, the fruit is going to keep flowing from the plant. You know, a cherry tomato plant that is not planted in the ground will bear no fruit. So plant yourselves in him. And let's see what fruit he's going to produce through us. Let us love one another. Amen. Cool. Should we, what's next? Ronald or Jackie or? Amen.